<laughs> what he didn't say was, I said, no way, God. I'm not doing that again. I've done that before. I'm too old to do that now. <laughs> but I'm so thankful that God gives us a chance to be obedient, right? When he asked me to preach, I said yes. And I th I've told um, some other people and my conversations with them, I think he thinks I'm kind of cocky. I'm not. I'm trembling, just so you know. Kyla, we all handle stress differently, right? I won't tell you, in addition to the chocolate I was going to confess to eating, I ate a half a pack of chocolate chip cookies last night after Ronaldo went to sleep. So, I'm hyped up on sugar. It's all right, right? So, the Bible says to give honor whom honor is due, and there's no greater man, in my opinion, on this earth than Matt Miller. I have served under a lot of pastors. I have served under some good pastors. I've served under some not-so-good pastors. So when I tell you I believe in this man and I believe in his, in his vision, you can 100% believe that I am being 100% honest. If he ever gets off the beaten trail, I'll be the first one to tell you, okay? Because I believe in not following people but in following after Christ. And for us, that's important just as much as it is for any of you. Um, I want to thank my family. I want to thank Ronaldo. He actually is the one that said yes to answer God um, this time. I don't know if he's grateful or not now that I'm actually here and in the thick of things. But I want to thank him for being obedient and saying yes when I was saying no. I want to thank my family. Amber and Daniel have recently moved here. They're getting ready to close on their home, which means thank you, Jesus. They're staying, at least for now, at least for now. We each have a part to play in this vision, 2040. I can't do it alone. Matt can't do it alone. Matt and Kyla can't do it alone. It's going to take every single person in this building to see this thing come to pass. And even some that are watching online today, even some that are not yet here, it's going to take a village to win this city. But I know that beyond the shadow of a doubt, God has a plan laid out and it was laid out before the foundations of the earth, we can't even begin to fathom what God has for us. We just can see the minute portion that he's allowed us to see. I've watched this unfold in my own life. To my other family in North Carolina, they're supposed to be watching online. I guess I'll hear later if they really did or not. I just want to know when they're going to hear from God and come to Green Bay because we know that's where God lives, right? <laughs> and we need everybody. So any of you that are watching online that are not here, get your tails in the seats. We need you. We need you to propel what God has for this city. I've never had a heart for a city like I have for this one. And I don't yet quite, I think, understand what it is 
that God wants to do here. But this is one thing I do understand. God wants to use this church to do it. I, I don't understand, but I do know that when there is an enemy that fights as hard as he's fight, fought for this church, there's a, there's a purpose behind it. The enemy doesn't throw rocks at things that aren't moving. He doesn't waste his time trying to take people out that don't have a really big position in, in God's plan. So this church is very pivotal. And I think we'll look back on this in 50, 60, 70 years. Yeah, I'm still going to be here. And we're going to see the way God has moved and we're all going to be blown away by what God has done and what he's used this motley ragtag crew to do. Because, see, I read in the Bible that God says he takes the foolish things of the world and he confounds the wise. And, see, I've worked with that scripture for a long time because there's nothing more foolish than me. And if God can use me, then he can use anyone. I am going to apologize to the translator. I am already so far off my notes. I knew it was going to happen, though. Some people can do what Matt does and teach. I'm more of a heart speaker, so I'm going to ask you as my friends to indulge me just a few minutes. I'm going to ask the forgiveness of the Spanish church and the Spanish folks and the translator for me probably making a huge mess up here today. Matt, you can clean it up next week, okay, Pastor? So if I had a title to this message today, it would be The God of Many Chances Whose Plans Do Not Change. Can we pray, though? Because unless God comes, it's just going to be a bunch of empty words, and I know that. Um, so let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word that brings change. We thank you for your people in this place. We thank you for the guys that are watching online, the guys in the cafe, God. We just ask that you would just move in this place. Change hearts, change minds, change people. God, more than anything else, draw us closer to you and help us to be the people that you have us to be. And God, we thank you for what you're doing in this place. We recognize how special it is. And we are honored and grateful to be a part. So thank you. Thank you for all that you do for us and all that you will do, all that you have done, and what you're continuing to do. And we thank you for it. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. I don't want it to be me speaking, but I want it to be you speaking through me. And I pray that in the name of Jesus Amen. So I want to start by saying, I am going to go back to my notes now. I want to start by saying I love God's word. It reminds me that in Judges 16.22, Samson's hair began to grow again. He blew it many times, but 
God gave him chance after chance up until that last minute. In Samuel 16, 17, it tells us that man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. I'm especially thankful for that one because when the church met me, I was a hot mess, and that's to say the least. And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today, the hot messes you're going to see coming in here because God's preparing us for what he is doing and is going to continue to do. See, David had many chances. Even though he was a murderer, he was an adulterer. He did all these bad things. He was a bad father. But God redeemed that and said, he's a man after my own heart. God said, I want to use that hot mess story. And God will use you too. He told David, or David told, David said, the sacrifice you desire is not, is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and contrite heart. See, when you come and you say, God, I know I'm a hot mess. Work with me. Help me. Change me. Then you become somebody that God can use. Hosea's wife was a prostitute. Rahab was a harlot to help God's people to capture Jericho. I read in the story, all, in the Bible, all these stories of redemption. Moses was a murderer turned deliverer. Peter, whose mouth repeatedly got him into trouble. Can anybody besides me identify with that? I always heard Joyce Meyer say, my mouth is my greatest asset and my greatest liability. I, that so rang true for me. If you know me at all, you know I'm going to tell you the truth. The good truth and the not so good truth. So if you don't want the truth, don't ever ask me, okay? That's, that's my deal with everybody. And my favorite Bible character of all times is Paul. For two reasons. First, he had to get knocked off his donkey before he saw God come. That was me. I had to be knocked off my donkey a few times through the years. Secondly, because when he did get it, he was bold. And for the rest of his life, he spent his entire life on fire for God. I want to be like that. He told the whole world about Jesus. In fact, because of Paul, that's why you and I are here today. God used him, even though he murdered Christians, even though he did some crazy stuff, God used him. The Bible is full of those people that got chance after chance. See, I think God knew when he created us that we would need multiple chances. I need multiple chances every day. And I've been doing this for a long time. So I know that you, like me, probably say the same thing. Oh, I made a mess again. And God's, and God's not sitting in heaven wringing his hands going, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do with them? He knows. And yet he chose us anyway. So today we're going to talk about Jonah. See, I wanted to talk. I had, when he told me, 
uh, I want you to speak. I, I wanted to just pull one out of the old repertoire and say, oh, yeah, I can do this. I've done this before. And I wanted to talk about the Good Samaritan and tell you guys what your part was as a church. But see, when I realized what I was doing, if I was pointing that one finger at you, I had four pointing back at me. And God said to me, Lynn, I want you to tell your story. I want you to tell them all your garbage. And I said, but God, they don't know none of my garbage. And he said, tell your story. For some people, that would be easy. I look at Pastor Matt, and he made all the right decisions. Even though he came up in a rough family, he did well. He chose Jesus. He did the right things. I did not do those same things. I was raised in kind of a Christian home. Um, when I say kind of, we were drugged to church every week. My parents would smoke and cuss the whole way, but we went to church. The problem is, is that church didn't go in me. I had no idea how to relate Jonah to my life. How did this guy in the belly of a fish matter to me? It took a long time for me to get that application piece. So we're going to start in Jonah 1, verse uh, 1 and 2, and you can follow along in your Bible, or I think they have it on the screen. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness had come up before me. So God gave Jonah really specific instructions, right? Go to Nineveh and preach. Tell them they need to repent. I'm going to come for them. I'm, I'm coming for them. I'm going to destroy them. You go and you preach. That's pretty specific, right? When I was about 12 years old, God told me, I want you to be a missionary. I said, I'm not going to the mission field. Are you kidding? I'm not going to go live in a hut somewhere in some God-forsaken country. That just ain't going to happen. Even at 12, I was pretty strong-willed. So I just flat out said, yeah, that ain't, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do something fun. I'm not going to do that. I, I don't want to go where there's no running water and there's no church and there's no people and I can't even speak the language of the people. No, God, that's not going to happen. So when I was about 15, I was kind of done with church. I'd seen a lot of hypocrisy, um, even in the youth group, for heaven's sake. Um, I remember these kids one time telling me, you smoke, right? Come over here. We smoke too. Well, I didn't smoke, but my parents smoked, so my clothes smelled like smoke. And so I was kind of done. To me, like I said, church was not in me. It was somewhere you went. But I didn't have a relationship with God. 
I had a knowledge of God, but I didn't know his power. And it made all the difference in the world. Let me tell you, you are fortunate people. You're in a church that knows God's power. So we, um, I decided that I didn't want to have anything else to do with it. So I just fell away. So in Jonah 1.3, it says, Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard, and he sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. I found that interesting that Jonah thought he could run away from God, and I thought I could run away from God too. In fact, when I was researching this, he only had a 550-mile journey, and he took off 2,500 miles in the other direction. And I thought, how fitting. He specifically chose to go in the opposite direction that God had sent him, and so did I. I said nope to God's plan, and not only that, I was so determined to wreck his plan that I got pregnant when I was 15 years old. I remember giving birth to my first child, and I wasn't even old enough to sign my own paperwork. I was old enough to have a baby, but I wasn't old enough to sign the papers at the hospital. So here I am, it's not quite 17, and I've got this baby. Never in my wildest dreams did I believe that God was still keeping tabs on me because I thought he had forgotten about me and forgotten about my plan because I certainly forgot about his plan. I had a baby to raise. So, you know, like every good Christian girl that gets pregnant, you, you get married, right? So here I am at 16 years old in love with my childhood sweetheart of, what, six months, eight months? And I, I decide, or my parents helped me decide, that I need to get married and we need to make it right. So here I am getting married at 16. Let me just tell you, at 16, you don't know what love is. Even if you think you do, let me assure you, you do not. At 20, you don't know what love is. Look, stay single as long as you can. I love Ronaldo. I love my husband. He's the one that God gave me. But marriage is hard. It's hard in its work. And you really, really have to commit and you really, really have to trust God and take what God has for you. I love it when people think, I'm grown enough to make my own decisions. Because that's what I remember. I remember thinking, I've spent my whole life waiting to be a grown-up. I'm a grown-up now. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to be who I want to be. So I found it funny in this text that God didn't send lightning down on Jonah. God didn't say, hey, Jonah, I'm still watching you. God didn't say, 
oh my gosh, Jonah, 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 why are you doing this? He just sat quietly by and let Jonah do his thing. But he didn't scream at him. He didn't fuss at him. He didn't do none of the things my parents did to me. But God also didn't stop the circumstances from happening in his life. He let him do his own thing. But when we choose to do our own thing, there's a price to pay. And the storms in my life started to form as the honeymoon stages of marriage wore off. The baby came. There was diapers to buy, a crying uh, baby to feed and take care of, and many more challenges of a young family. You would think that I would have gotten God, that would have gotten my attention and, and sent me back toward God's plan. And I wish to say, yep, that's all it took. I was, I was back on God's agenda, but it wasn't. It was the beginning of a very downward spiral in my life and a very slippery path, just like Jonah went on. Um, I was not ready to admit that my life was not my own. See, the Bible tells us that our lives have been bought with a price, and that price is the precious blood of Jesus Christ, and it's not wasted on anything or anyone. But we also have a choice in whether or not we're going to do what God says to do. So I decided that I was still not there. I was going to do a little bit more of my own stuff. So next in the story of Jonah, we see the boat's crew praying, praying to their gods that the storm would pass. And when it didn't pass, they cast lots to see who the troublemaker was. And the lots fell to Jonah. They ultimately had to cast Jonah into the sea in a self-preservation act to save themselves. See, Jonah knew when they woke him up, yep, it's all on me, guys. If you throw me overboard, you're going to be fine. But you know what? Those guys didn't throw him over immediately. They prayed and they prayed and they cried and they cried and they begged and they begged before they decided this is the only way out. And he, they threw Jonah into the sea And the Bible says, chapter 1, verse 17, now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Would that be what it would take for Jonah to realize that he needed to go to God's plan? that he needed to backtrack, that he needed to go from, uh, from, from back to Tarshish and preach? I don't know, you know? It's like sometimes uh, God will take us to this rough spot, and then we'll seek him for a little bit, and then we'll stop, and the, the, the waves will subside, and then we'll be back on our own agenda. I think God knows us when he lets things like that happen. So for three days, Jonah sat in his own mess. He didn't sit in your mess or my mess. He sat in his own mess. 
before he was willing to fess up and say, hey, God, I've blown it. Three days he sat in the belly of the fish before he was willing to say, oh, God, I've made a mess. I wish I could tell you that I only sat for three days. That's not the case. I went from one mistake to another. For 15 years, I ran from God. I ran from the plan that God had for my life. 15 years. I ended up in the projects in Tampa, Florida, where I had my second baby girl, which is Amber. A single, unwed mom. After Amber was born, I got married the second time. My second husband was, um, <laughs> I, re I refer to him lovingly as Satan Spawn. Um, that is another story for another message. That man ultimately um, abused one of my girls. And I'm thankful for that. She's probably at home going, what the heck? My mom says she's thankful for that. But when you're in crisis, when all hell has come against you and your family, there's something inside of us that draws us back to where we need to be. And maybe you're a parent today, and you're wishing that for your kids. God, bring my kids back. Maybe you're one of those grandparents that are praying, God, please, I pray for my grandkids. Please bring them back to you. Some of us, it's going to take a few knocks in the head. But God is in charge and is ultimately working all things for his good. All things for his good. See, we don't see that, and I didn't see that for a long time, but I can strategically place my finger in situations where I see God using those things that I thought were meant to destroy, or maybe were meant to destroy me. Like, for instance, Satan's spawn was Spanish, and through him and through his parents, I learned enough Spanish that one time I was on a bus route in Brooklyn, New York, and I could say, there's, an, uh, there's a bus, there's a, un autobus, come bring your children to Iglesia. I know that sounds stupid, but I walked away from that door, and God said, I said, I will use everything for your good. That's the only Spanish I knew. But I knew enough to get that kid on a bus. Any of you know my Spanish is horrible. Still, to this day, my Spanish is horrible. But I can tell you, autobus, iglesia. Come on. So God uses everything for his good. So I was starting to get involved with drugs. Because, believe you me, <clears throat> young people, because I was young, or younger at the time, whatever you hang out with, 
It's what you're going to become. So choose your friends wisely. I know that you probably hear that a lot. You don't hear it enough. And I know that this is like this and like this for young people because I was that young person. But I never thought about drugs. I never wanted to do drugs. I never had an inkling to do drugs until I hung out with people that did drugs. And I started hanging out with these guys thinking, yeah, that's what they do, not me. Then one day I tried it. Oh, yeah, this is a great feeling. Because it'll take a temporary thing, but it takes the pressure off for a minute. I remember one night or one day, one morning, I don't even know, at some points it all blurred together, waking up and thinking, how am I going to pay my bills? I've just blown all my money for the month. It was about that time that there was a church that started coming. My second marriage was ending because of the abuse. And this church started knocking on my door. You want to know why I knock on doors? That's why I knock on doors. Because there was this young lady, I don't know if she'll listen to this or not, because she and her, past, her husband pastor a church now. But her name was Jennifer, and she would faithfully knock on my door every week. And my kids, this is kind of a long joke. It's been forever I've been telling it. But she would run out, my kids would see her and run out of the door, Miss Jennifer, Miss Jennifer. And meanwhile, behind the door, I was going, Miss Jennifer, Miss Jennifer. I hated who she was because she had something that I didn't. She had something that deep down on the inside of me I wanted, but I didn't know how to get it back. She was beautiful. She was Miss Plant City. She was everything that I had given up. And ultimately, I ended up working for her for seven years once I gave my heart to God. But they did sidewalk Sunday school for the kids in our neighborhood. And they started coming, and they would give out pastries, and they would give out candy, and they would give out stuff. And I would send the kids, yeah, go, go, go. Get me the 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 the. the the cheese Danish, the this, the that. Go ahead, go get that cake. That's why the food pantry and what we do here to me is so important because we needed that food. We needed those goodies. We didn't always have money for the extra stuff of life. So I would send them out the door. I want to tell you, their speakers were so loud that no matter... What I did, I could not drown them out. I tried jerking up the radio volume. I tried turning up the TV screens. I tried everything in my power not to listen. La, 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 because I'm not hearing you. 
just like Jonah did for those three days. I tried everything. But they overpowered anything I could do. And I ended up having to just go in my room and put my head under the blankets. But little did I know, there were two little girls. And I'm going to try to get through this. There were two little girls, ages four and seven. And those little girls never gave up on their mom. Every week they would go to this program and they would say, Mom, or Miss Jennifer, my mom's a hot mess. Miss Jennifer, our house is a mess. Our family is a wreck. Can you please pray? Can you please pray that God would help our family? For a solid year, those girls prayed for this girl. They believed that God could do something in our family that only he could do. When I tell the kids on Wednesday nights, and I do this quite often, I say, you kids have more power in prayer than all the adults in this building. Because God is listening to you, and God will answer you. When you cry out for your family, God hears that. And he is going to be God in your family. He is going to do what you ask him to do. See, I believe that God has a special place in in his heart for those kids. Do I know there's fights? Oh, good Lord, yes. Do I know there's issues in bringing the men off the street? Yes. There's going to be issues. There's going to be fights. There's going to be bus breakdowns. There's going to be costs. That's why the Bible tells us to count the cost. Count the cost before we start something. See, I counted that cost a long time ago. Somebody counted it for me before I was even in this spot. And they decided that I was worth it. Even though there was messes to clean up, even though I was not the pretty church girl, they found value in me. So these kids, they pray for me. And they did not give up. See, there's a city out there that we're praying for, and we will not give up. We will answer the cries of this city. In Vision uh, 2040, that's what the A is for. It says we will answer the cry of this city. See, there's moms out there that are just like me that are struggling. They need Jesus. They may not even know that they need Jesus yet. Maybe some of them are your family members, and you have believed God for them, and you have not seen God manifest himself in their life. God is coming for them the same way he came for me. They can only ignore him, but so long. They can only ignore his cry to come back home a little while. Just like Jonah was in that belly, I was in the belly of the enemy for a long time. For this church, 
I realized that in the history of this church, there have been a lot of setbacks. There's been a lot of issues. There's been a lot of problems. There's been a lot of fight. I know that I know that God is going to do something amazing through this church. I know because just like my life, it seems like that is the predominant theme over this city, is that there's been a stronghold over the city that says, nope, this is not going to be the city of God. This is not, I, no, I'm not going to be a missionary. I'm not going to do what God says. I'm going to do my own thing. This city can say that all it wants because we're here to serve at notice. This staff is going to answer its cry. This church is going to answer the cry of this city. We're going to go after the ones that nobody wants. We're going to go after the ones that everybody has forgotten about. We're going to go after the ones that nobody else cares about. Because you know what? Nobody cared about me. Statistics said I was going to be a welfare mom, a project mom. I was going to be drug addicted. I was going to be a hot mess all of my life. But see, they didn't know my God. They didn't know God. And God said, from the foundations of this earth, I created you. I created you to do these things for me. So here I am. And I, I, I come back to the Lord. I get saved. And I'm not sure that my kids are real thankful for that because I went from one crazy to another crazy. I didn't know anything but Jesus. I slept Jesus. I ate Jesus. I, was, I mean, it was just, it was like a radical transformation in my life. God touched me in such a way I can only begin to tell you that I will never be the same. I pray, Lord God, if I get apathetic that you slap me again because I don't want to be that old lady anymore. I don't want anything about it. But I will tell you that even after I came back to the Lord, I felt horrible for a long time. I felt condemned. I felt hor horrible about the decisions that I had made. I remember agonizing and apologizing for the 15 years I wasted. I wasted all of that time that God could have used. For a long time, I felt like I couldn't be used because of what I had done. But listen, you may be like that today, too. But God has another plan for you. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you think, I've blown it too many times. God can never forgive me. He can never use me. Maybe you're one of the people in this church and you think, oh my gosh, I've wasted all these years sitting on the sidelines. I've done too much for God to use. Let me tell you, none of you are big enough to wreck God's plan. I wasn't big enough to wreck God's plan, nor my friend are you. I don't care what you've done to me or what you've done before, God is still God, and he is a God of many chances. 
whose plans never change. The word of the Lord, well, let's go back to the text. So Jonah chapter 3 verse 1 says it all. It says, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. See, the word of the Lord came to me a second time on the back of a sidewalk Sunday school truck in Tampa, Florida. I was standing in back of this truck, and we were doing the same thing that we had, I'd been doing for about four or five years. And I remember the day, and I will never, ever, ever forget it. The Lord said to me, he said, Lynn, I told you, you're going to be a missionary. See, God's ways are not our ways, and his thoughts are not our thoughts. I have never, ever quit thanking my kids for praying for me because I truly believe it's their prayers that have me where I am today. I truly believe in the power of a child praying. I truly believe that God is a God of chances whose plans don't change. We are going to be the church that answers the cry of the city. I stand with Pastor Matt, Kyla. We are not leaving. I, heard, I hear sometimes people say, well, it's been about five years. It's time for a new reign. We're not leaving. Pastor Matt ain't leaving because he ain't leaving me here. We ain't, we ain't going nowhere, folks. You're stuck with us. See, you should have thought about that before you prayed us here. We're going to be the church that God has called us to be. We're going to be the church that takes this city, not because of us, but because of him, because of what he has done in our lives. Now we can give that back to someone else. Some of you may say, Lynn, I'm just not there. I'm not there. That's okay. It took me 15 years to get there. But let me tell you, you can come easy or you can come hard, but you're going to come. It's your choice. Trust me, the hard road is not the good road, but nonetheless, it's your choice. So I'd like you, if you will, to bow your head and close your eyes. I want you to think about your life. What has it been up until now? Has it been everything that you wanted? I would say probably most of us would say, Probably not in some aspect or, or some way. Most of us have those places in our life where there's deep regret, like Jonah. And most of us have had the chance, perhaps, to say, hey, God, I'm sorry. But maybe this is your first time being in a place like this. And maybe you'd say, gosh, that really speaks to me because I'm a hot mess, too. It's no surprise to God. We're all a hot mess in some way, form, or fashion. Maybe you'd say, hey, maybe I'm not a hot mess like you, Lynn. I've had a perfect life. My, 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 my kids never had to pray for me because I've got it all together. Well, good. Then you're the perfect candidate to win somebody else. See, there's not one person under the sound of my voice 
that isn't needed or wanted. Your testimony is just as valuable whether you've made a mess or not. But the first thing is answering his call. See, Jonah had to answer the call inside the belly of the fish like me. And you might say, Lynn, I just want to get over here and eat lunch, and that's fine too. But I would be remiss in my duties if I didn't give you that opportunity to make your life right with God. If you would say to me, hey, Lynn, I'm a mess on the inside, I'm a mess on the outside, I'm just a mess, but if God can use me, then I want God to use me. I want to see your hand. I want to pray for you and pray for you. Maybe you'd say, hey, I've never asked Jesus into my heart. I don't even know who this Jesus is you're talking about. I'd like to pray for you today. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you'll pray with me, everybody say this together. and Say it loud and strong because Jesus died on the cross for us and he was bold for us. Say, dear God, thank you that you use the mess in my life for your glory. I ask you, forgive me for those missed opportunities and help me to live for you. Every single day, in every opportunity, I ask for your grace. Help me to walk where you want me to walk and help me to be who you want me to be. Help me to let others know about what a great God you are. Forgive me for the opportunities I've missed and help me from this day forward never to miss another one. In Jesus' name, amen.